Support for The Real Pink Podcast comes from Lily Oncology. People living with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, deserve more. Lily Oncology aims to bring more awareness of MBC through more education, more research, and more dedicated solutions to support the women and men living with MBC and the communities that surround them. Learn more at the More for MBC Facebook page. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. For many people, the thought of going anywhere, especially a medical office during the current pandemic, can create feelings of uneasiness and concern. This is certainly normal. However, we would like to reassure our listeners that there is no reason to delay mammograms if your local imaging centers are open and your state reopening guidelines allow for them. Hospitals and imaging centers are taking precautions to ensure patients are safe and may have made changes to mitigate the risk of infection and allow for social distancing. Here to share her recent screening experience and why it is so important to take charge of your health by scheduling routine screenings and getting any worrisome symptoms checked is Laurel Pointer. Laurel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with the breast cancer community. So my name is Laurel Pointer. I'm currently the Senior Manager of Internal Communications at Komen. I have a long history with Komen even before I started here. So when I was in my first job ever out of college, I was working with a group of ladies who came up to me one day and said, hey, we're going to do this race and you're going to do it with us. I said, well, if you know anything about me, I don't race. And one of the ladies said, no worries. I cross the finish line with a shopping bag and a Starbucks in my hand every time we do it. And I said, okay, that, that, that I can do. Turned out that it was the National Race for the Cure for Susan G. Komen. And um, I'd heard about them all my life because I grew up in Dallas. And so I knew of Race for the Cure, but I'd never really been a part of one. So I joined the ladies on the team and literally did cross the finish line with a shopping bag and, um, and a Starbucks in my hand. And it was a great experience just to see all people out there supporting breast cancer survivors. The entire, you know, community of Washington, D.C. coming together for a joint cause. And that was over 25 years ago that I did that. Exactly one month after I crossed that finish line for the first time, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Immediately, I was like, okay, I'm in it to win it. And, you know, and the race became even more important. A few years later, I moved back to Dallas. My husband was like, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I really want to work for something that means something to me. And I wanted to make a difference. So I applied at Komen and I've been there now for 21 years. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, so I love the story of how you were introduced to Komen and then being there for 21 years, that's pretty fantastic and very, very special. So uh, that's, that's really amazing. And so you've got a little family history, of course, with your, with your mom having been diagnosed. Are you more closely monitored than, than you would be otherwise than, than just going for your annual screenings? So yeah, actually, um, since my mom was diagnosed, I've had four other immediate family members diagnosed as well. And when my mom was first diagnosed and I asked the doctor, I said, do, do I need to be screened? Because I was really, you know, I was in my 20s at the time. And he said, no, not yet. And after my aunt was diagnosed and my great aunt was diagnosed, again, I asked the question and I said, 
are we ready to talk about adding testing? And he said, we're not there yet. He said, you don't meet the kind of cancer that your family members have had don't really relate to BRCA1 or BRCA2. And so we're going to wait a while. And then about three years ago, after my youngest cousin was diagnosed at the age of 39, the doctor said there are different genetic mutations that we can look for. Um, I know you don't meet the BRCA1 or 2, but let's look at some of the others. And so several of us went through the genetic testing and found that we have the CHECK2 mutation. Um, whereas BRCA1 and 2 is, you know, ovarian cancer and breast cancer, CHECK2 is um, colon cancer and breast cancer. So we have to be very diligent in those situations. The interesting thing is my youngest cousin who was diagnosed with breast cancer doesn't have the mutation, but the rest of us do. So mm. it's a very unique situation. Um, and the interesting thing is, you know, like I said, 20 years ago when we started this process, we didn't even know about CHECK2. So we've seen the changes that have happened in breast cancer research and in treatment throughout these years. So yes, I am much more aware. I was always concerned in the past, but now that I know that I have this mutation, I'm even more diligent about making sure that I get my mammogram, that I'm aware of what's going on with my body, that I know changes that are happening so that if anything were to come up, I could go, you know, running to the doctor and go, okay, now what? Yeah, that's good. That's good. And, and so knowing that you have that positive gene, I mean, walk me through those emotions and, and what is your, what's your screening like now? I always knew that I was at risk. And now I just know that it's even more of a heightened risk. So I try to pay attention to that. Every time I go in for a mammogram, um, just, you know, after working at Komen even, I always go in with a game plan. I walk in going, okay, if this is the time, if this is the moment, if this is the, you know, something comes out of this where either I have to have more testing or we find that, yes, this is the time I have breast cancer, I have my plan in place. I know who I want my surgeon to be. I know who I want my oncologist to be. I know all the questions that I'm going to go running and ask the education team at Komen, or I can look on Komen.org and see what those answers are. So there's always that moment. Then you don't really exhale until you get the call saying, all clear. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd imagine that's a long moment to live in too. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about you know, this time during the pandemic, uh, it was recommended that for a while that women wait to go to their screenings to ease the demand on local medical facilities. But as states are starting to reopen, it's now becoming recommended that women receive their mammograms if it can be safely done. And if, if that, that particular area is, is open. Um, I know that you recently had a screening, I believe. And can you tell us just a little bit about what that experience was like so our listeners can know what to expect and, and what was different from normal? First of all, the minute that we got the all clear um, and said, yeah, go, go get this. And um, I was already two months behind. And so um, I, you know, I was listening to Dr. Sledge say now's the time to go on one of our webinars. And as I'm listening to him, I'm over here online trying to book my appointment. One of the things I noticed is, you know, usually you had to book, you know, a month or two in advance in order to get in. Well, they could get me in basically the next day because no one was going. 
everybody had been told to stay home. So I was like, great, I will take that appointment tomorrow and, and run and get it done. So one of the things I did, all those questions that they usually hand you, you know, that uh, clipboard, and you have to fill out all those forms ahead of time. Well, we did that all online. Some of it, they sent me a couple of links and I filled it out online. Other things, she just asked me right then and there on the phone and then gave me my instructions to go in um, to the imaging center for my mammogram. That day, I put on my mask, uh, go walking down the hall, and, you know, there's hand sanitizer right outside the door, so, you know, use the hand sanitizer, and I walked in, and it kind of reminded me of the grocery store these days, uh, where you've got the arrows taped on the floor. Right. And I look around and, you know, usually there's, you know, 10 or 12 people in the room. I was one of two. I no sooner got to my seat and was ready to sit down when the lady came to take me back. And again, you know, I had to follow the arrows she um, had on her mask. She walked me back. You know, that part's kind of normal. But when it was time to do the screening, you know, it's already uncomfortable enough and strange, you know, in some ways for, you know, that you're just wearing a robe and you're going into this room to, to do your mammogram. But to do it with a mask on and then your technician has a mask on itself, it just put a new strange reality, I guess, to it. You really are living in a new world. But I was like, if that's what it takes, you know, it was just, it's a little weird. Because at one point, that's all you're wearing is, you know, your, your shorts or your jeans and a mask. And the lady commented about that, you know, and we had, you know, a good little joke about it. And she was really sweet and calming. Then the process was normal. It was just going through the normal steps and doing that. And then you go get dressed. And then off you go. And they tell you that, you know, if there's an issue, they'll call you within 24 to 48 hours. If not, you'll get a letter in the mail. And so you usually just are waiting during that time for that letter. And literally 24 hours later, the phone rang, which panicked me. And I'm like, oh no, this can't be good if they're calling me. But they were calling to tell me that it was all clear. And I said, that's so strange. And she said, we have time right now because we don't have the backlog. So we're reading the screenings faster. And we had that chance to give you that personal touch of calling you and letting you know that it's okay versus waiting. I love that. Yeah. So it was odd, good all at the same time. That's great. And so let's talk just a bit about your family members that are actively undergoing breast cancer treatment. Do they have more guidelines in place? And how has their treatment changed under, you know, the COVID situation? Yeah, I have an aunt who is metastatic and currently going through some rounds of chemo. And um, my mom lives down the street and my mom goes to all of my aunt's appointments with her. And so that used to be no big deal. You could always have somebody with you, not only to drive you, but to walk with you and sit with you um, as you're in the chemo room. And those rules have kind of changed at the moment. They've cleared it with the doctors that my mom can go and sit with her because my mom, you know, has been through this too and understands a lot of what's going on. And as long as she promises to wear her mask while they're sitting in the infusion room, everything is good. Mm, Yeah, I can imagine. Last question. Uh, Do you have any advice for women that are nervous about going into an office for their mammogram during this time? And why is it important that they go anyway? My advice is go. If it's within your year and you're up for your mammogram or you've been delayed in getting it, schedule it. Go do it. 
And the importance of that is, you know, breast cancer, not all breast cancers grow at the same rate and some grow much faster. So the sooner that you get in, you know, either you're going to get the all clear and you can breathe easy, or if they find something, the sooner you find it and the better off you are. So don't take that chance of waiting for it, you know, to grow. Oh, it's just another month. Oh, it's just another six weeks. Sometimes that month or six weeks can make a difference. Um, not always, but sometimes. And so, you know, why take the chance? If you are in an area that they say, come get it, and they've got availability, and they're asking patients to come in, be reassured of the fact that, you know, they are taking all the precautions in the world to make sure that those places are clean. One of the first questions they asked me when I got there was, you know, do you have a temperature? Have you felt that? You know, they run through the COVID questions. They're going to make sure that anybody who walks in that door is taken care of. So go do it. That's right. That's right. Go do it. Go do it. Don't delay. Don't delay. Uh, so Laurel, this was great. You know, thank you for sharing your story. I know that's not always easy. And thank you for the work that you've done for so many years with Komen and the impact it was making on so many thousands and thousands of people. Uh, just thank you for being here. So my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com. Thanks to Lily Oncology for supporting the Real Pink Podcast. Join Lily Oncology in raising more awareness through education, more research, and more dedicated solutions for metastatic breast cancer. Together, we can do more for MBC. Join the conversation at the More for MBC Facebook page.